day in history. Death is beaten, you have rescued me. Sing it out, Jesus is alive. Hey! The empty cross, the empty grave. Life eternal, you have won that day. Shout it out, Jesus is alive.
was slain from the foundation of the world. So worthy. So worthy. So Now 
let's lift our hands again and just praise the Lord and give him thanks for all that he has done for us. God is so good. Lord, you're good. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. The words to this song are so fitting for our preparation for receiving communion this morning. Can we just lift our hands again and thank him for the cross? The Lamb is worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yes, you are worthy, Lord. We love you today. And we give you thanks with a grateful heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. If you were not given one of these cups, please raise your hand and the ushers will serve you now. Please hold the cup and wait until I instruct you to open it. Does anybody need one? The ushers are observant to that and they'll serve your need. Sharing in the communion is for every born-again believer. So whether you're a member of this church or not, please join us in communion if you are a believer. That simply means that you have accepted Christ into your heart and life. He's Lord of your life. That's what that means. And at the end of the communion, the ushers will pass bags down and each, uh, each row to collect the cups. Thank you, ushers. Has everybody been served? All right. Each time we participate in communion, it's a symbol of accepting. First Peter 2 and 9 says, we are called a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Isn't it comforting to know you belong to God? Yes, it is. Now, that was a rather weak response. Isn't it comforting to know that you belong to God? Now, that is so much better. Thank you. We are called a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He accepts us as his own. Isn't that wonderful? We're owned by God. I'm not owned by anybody or anything connected with sin. I'm owned by God. Hallelujah. We're reminded not only of our acceptance in Christ, 
but we are reminded to accept one another. The bread is not only symbolic of Christ's body, but also of the church. We are one body. We are called to properly discern the body of Christ. He, by the Holy Spirit, lives in each of us, and we are to love and honor and accept one another. I love the Passion Translation of Ephesians 2, 13 and 14. Our reconciling peace is Jesus. He has made us one in Christ. By dying as our sacrifice, he has broken down every wall of prejudice that separated us and now has made us equal through our union through our Lord and our Savior. Ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. Aren't you thankful? We're one. We, we love each other. We're, ex, we're accepted by each other. I love that. I really do. Next, communion is a symbol of abiding. He instructs us to eat the bread and drink the cup. Just as food and drink nourish us physically, so Christ nourishes us spiritually. He's the vine. We're the branches. Without him, we can do absolutely nothing. Abiding in him is the place, the source of all power. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done to you. And last, communion is a symbol of anticipating. By communion we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He promised he was coming the first time and he came. He promised he would come back from the grave and he did. He has promised to come again and receive us to himself and he will. We not only remember Jesus and what he has done for us, but we look forward to Jesus and his soon return. Are you ready? Let us stand. Lord, we offer a prayer of thanksgiving to you today and ask the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts so that we can live to honor him. Lord, we love you and we give you thanks today for the honor and privilege of being in your house knowing we love you but most of all that we have your love as well. Thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord. And we praise you and glorify your wonderful name. Now I want you to peel back the transparent film over the wafer and hold it up and eat 
the bread. Let us eat together. Now peel back the, hope you don't have the same trouble I'm having right now. Peeling back this, well, there's one thing about it, the juice won't spill on you. <laughs> Thank the Lord for that. Let us drink together. This represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for every one of us. This was just a, a wafer and juice in a cup, but it's representative of what the Lord has done for us. Aren't you thankful? Amen. Amen. We decree and declare that the precious blood of Jesus paid the price for that amazing grace that not only saves us, but empowers us to live in freedom. I am free. Are you? Blessed be the name of the Lord. I am free. I am free. Thank God today for freedom in Jesus. Thank you, Lord. People, God is good. He is wonderful. And I give Him thanks today for all that He has done for us. Hallelujah! 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 There is no other religion on earth that has what we have in Jesus. No other. No other. They are bound in a state of bondage to demonic forces. But you and I have been freed by the precious blood of the Son of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. And we thank you for your broken body and your shed blood on the cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Please remain standing as we continue to worship the Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Can we lift up a shout of praise to Jesus? Thank you for the blood, Lord. Thank you for your body, Lord. We give you praise, Jesus. Oh, we bless you, Lord. We thank you for the freedom that you purchased for us, Lord. We thank you for your amazing grace. For your amazing grace. 
Now, we have something very special planned for this in the service this morning. You don't want to miss it. So just be seated in his presence for now, please. And while you're being seated, I want to give a, a quick testimony that um, last Sunday was Pastor Appreciation Day, and my husband, as you know, on advice of the doctors, we don't, he doesn't, not supposed to mingle a lot with people and uh, supposed to sit over there in his little corner and be quiet. <laughs> and, um, but last week he said, no, I'm, good, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to get in that receiving line. I'm going to hug our people. And, and yeah. And you know they say that hugs build up serotonin in your body. Well, you can call it serotonin. I'm just calling it a miracle of God. When he went for his labs this week for the first time in months, he did not have to have platelets or transfusion. God be the glory. Amen. What a miracle. Amen. That was awesome. And don't mama look cute today in her little <laughs> that amazing grace that saves us, but also thanking that uh, that amazing grace will carry us through hard times. And you know, our church, our church family, our community has had some hits this year, but God is good, and he's carrying us through. Amen? Yes, let's give him one more praise for that. Thank you, Father. I want to welcome you again to um, Northview Harvest Ministries. Welcome to all of our faith family. We thank you for your faithfulness to this body here at um, Northview. We also want to give a big shout out to our online congregation. So let's give them a big hand for being here this morning. Yes. Yes. And if this is your first time ever at Northview Harvest Ministries or ever in a long time, if you would raise your hand, our ushers have a card for you to fill out and we have a gift for you. So if you would raise your hand, they'll give you that card. I see some hands over here. Let's give them a big hand for being here today. Yes. Yes. If you will fill that card out and take it to the Welcome Center after service, we have a gift for you. And we hope that you will take advantage of that. Just a couple announcements before we go to the offering. Um, it's time again for Harvest Train. And for those of you who don't know what that is, um, our denomination, the International Pentecostal Holiness Church, has an orphanage called Falcon Children's Home in Falcon, North Carolina. And every year they send out a list of commodities, things that they need throughout the year. And so churches all over our denomination take up money, take up commodities for that. So we will take your money for that if you want to mark something in your, um, on your tithing off offering envelope. But next Sunday, starting next Sunday, we will have bins out in the foyer. And we are collecting latex and non-latex gloves, toilet paper, and copy paper. So there was an email sent out. We'll have this in the bulletin next week for you. So these are things that they can use. This was on their list several times. 
So if you can bring those things, I'm sure they would so much appreciate that. Also, um, the women's ministries will be selling nuts for baking for the holiday season. And so we will have those out starting this Wednesday night, pecans and walnuts. And um, we will have those for you as you get into the baking season for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so we'll be out there for y'all to, so y'all buy them up, okay? This money is going to, for Vision for Education, which are our church schools. These are the schools that the International Pentecostal Holiness Church supports. So Emmanuel College, Holmes Bible College, and Southwest Christian College out in Oklahoma. So um, this money will go to them. This will go to support them. These are our Bible students and our missionaries and all the people that are raised up teachers, everything you can think of, people that are raised up through these schools that go out and to impact the world. So see, your money at Northview impacts many, many, many people. And as we get ready to give, if you need a tithing envelope, our ushers will bring one to you. So if you raise your hand, they'll make sure that you get one of those. We know that a lot of people choose to give online, and we appreciate that so much. Um, they're going to put those ways up on the screen. We give you many ways to give. Some people like to give through the website, through PushPay. You can mail it in. You can bring it. You can drop it in the offering on Sundays. We just thank you so much for everything that you give to support this ministry. And um, I say this every time I'm up here, but this is good ground to sow into. And um, you guys can go ahead and come forward. This is great ground to sow into. And we sow into so many ministries and church plants and missionaries. And all the times when Tim and I were away, pastoring other churches, Northview was always so good to us. Good to sow into the other churches that we pastored. So see what happens when you sow. You reap a great harvest, amen. You didn't know that you were sowing into us and we'd be with you one day, did you? God honors your gifts, and we thank God that he honors his word. When he says, give me the tenth, he blesses you. He blesses you, and that 90% just stretches. Amen? Many of us can give testimonies of that. Amen? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. So if you'll stand and get ready to give, I think we're going to have some music, and then you're welcome to come give. Thank you so much.
who you are. Yes. That's right. Yes. So, Father, we ask you today to bless this offering and bless this time. Yes. We declare today that you are the Lord John. Yes, you are. Yes. And yes. there is none like you. try it again this is this is like baseball this is third strike if we don't we go into another one look at your neighbor tell him you love him this morning you don't need you don't need to give me a lot pull me down a little bit hallelujah tell somebody you're glad to see them this morning if you would Look at somebody you had not had a chance to speak to yet. Just wave at them, smile at them, even if you got to get their attention from across the room. Can I get a witness from anybody today that Jesus Christ is Lord? How many of y'all believe today that he is the resurrected king of glory? Amen. Amen. And how many can you of you will testify with me today that there is none like him? Amen. Would you join me in prayer for just a second? Father, I come before you today and I stand before this beautiful group of people those that are with us on our online media outlets, venues of Facebook, YouTube, Roku, other websites, our podcast on iTunes. Lord, I just, whoever's gonna be watching or listening, I pray right now that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would fill the room where they are, the car where they are, the hospital room, their workplace, Lord God, the school. I pray, God, that you would show yourself strong because I declare that I do not stand up here as a man, but I stand up here as a man used of God and I speak as the oracle of God today. I speak with authority and I speak with passion today to bring about the kingdom of God's manifestation in the earth. God, I pray today that my heart would be so knit to your heart that I would be so sensitive to your Holy Spirit that what you speak to me and through me that none of my words will fall to the ground, but they will bring breakthrough. 
pushing forward into every life and every heart that the seeds of my words fall into them as seed from heaven. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over every demonic power, over every distraction today, over every sickness and every infirmity. And I pray right now, Lord God, that you would release your angels as you are Jehovah Sabaoth. You are the Lord of the warring hosts. I pray, Lord God, that you release those warring angels to fight on behalf of people right now. Set the enemy at bay. I release, Lord God, Deuteronomy chapter 28, where the scripture says that the enemy will come at you as a unified force, but because of the anointing of God and the goodness of God upon us, that they will flee. They will retreat in seven different ways. Hallelujah. And I declare today, greater is he that is in us that's in the world. I declare the peace of God that passes all understanding that will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And the Lord, the Lord is good. Give them a praise, would you? And if you would with me, let's do our faith statement. We are sword drawn. Word ready, purpose filled. We will not be denied, and in Jesus' name, we will do everything, not somehow, but. Come on, give the Lord a praise today if you will. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, my iPad seems to be having a little mind of its own. Let's see what we can get here. Hold that thought. Just hit me up to the next uh, slide there. All right. Now, I told you that in, in October that we were going to be doing a series this month called The Adams Family. And in fact, I have been waiting for about a year to get to this because it was last year that uh, I had this thought that came up in a discussion and I was like, man, I want to jump on this thing right here. Uh, so, but I wanna tell you, the Adams family that we're gonna be talking about in the next three weeks are not these goofy people right here. That's not the Adams family we're talking about. So if you thought I'd just gone crazy and sacrilegious and all that stuff, hold on. I, I may be crazy, but I, I definitely have a spiritual intent with everything that I'm going to do. All right? All right, so anyway, <clears throat> what we do want to talk about, next slide, Mr. Tyler, is this. We want to talk about Adam. That's one D, because we're not talking about Gomez and Morticia. Now, next week, I may highlight some things that have to do with uh, their nature that we find in some elements of human nature. But what I wanna talk about today is the Adams family. Now, I wanna go ahead and tell you, there are two Adams. Everybody say that, there's two Adams. Yeah. That's one thing that we're gonna lay the groundwork for right here today before we go into the next three weeks is there are two Adams. The first Adam was the Adam in the garden, the first man that God made. He lost everything, he messed up, kaput. Man, when he did what God told him not to do, sin, death, disease, curses came into the earth and we are all today dealing with the repercussions and the ripples of Adam's transgression in the garden. Whether you like it or not, you inherited sin. 
But let me tell you something. About 2,000 years ago, another Adam came on the scene. Oh, come on, somebody. You may say, who is that? Well, like the first Adam, was, he was created by God. He was made by God. God breathed into him the breath of life. We'll look at that in the scripture in just a moment. He was made not with the seed of a man. He was made as a perfect being, a perfect creature with no sin. And he lost all that. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I believe Adam and Eve are in heaven. And when I get there, I'm going to be like a whole lot of people that have gone before me. I want to have a long talk with them. <laughs> But I assure you of this fact, 2,000 years ago, there was a virgin girl, and since we've got to understand this and grasp this, sin goes through the seed of a man. Not through women, it's through the seed of a man, because God made the covenant in Genesis chapter 2 with man. When Eve bit into the fruit, nothing happened. The covenant was not with her. When she handed it to her husband who was with her and he bit into it, the very next words say, then their eyes were opened. God made a covenant with man. It was through man that sin came in. So the woman's seed, that egg cell inside of a woman does not contain a sin element. Inside of the sperm of men contains not just physical DNA, but it contains a spiritual DNA of death. So when the Holy Spirit overshadowed a virgin girl named Mary and conceived a baby inside of her womb, nine months later, the baby that came out of her, the earth had not seen anybody like that since God sat down and hovered over Adam in the beginning of creation. Pure, sinless, holy, none like him. Can I get a witness today? So when we pick up this thing here with Adam, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 21, verses 21 and 22, says, for since by man, that is Adam, came death, by man, Christ Jesus, also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So in one Adam, everything died, and in another Adam, everything could live again. Which Adam's family do you belong to? I need you to look at somebody and ask them, that's a serious question today. Do you belong to the first Adam? Because you know what? If you do, then you're under his curse. You're under his, his, uh, the ramifications of his disobedience and everything that he disqualified the human race from falls upon you. But how many of y'all know that second Adam, Jesus Christ, that if we call upon Jesus as Lord, he not only forgives us of our sins, but he redeems us. He buys back everything the second Adam lost. In fact, the Lord willing, one of the messages I wanna preach in this series is how to walk away from curses and how to walk into blessings. I'm, I'm about to hum up here, brother, so if I'm in any of these monitors, take me all out. Sounds like I'm about to get some feedback, all right? Okay, so here's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk with you about the tale of three trees. 
the tail of three trees. So if you're on Facebook, on social media, whatever, I want you to put hashtag. I'll need you to make some posts. If you want to put some notes up or uh, share the video off of our Facebook page, that'll be a blessing. It'll put that into a lot of people's uh, pathway and help them receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. And of course, always put your location, Northview Harvest Ministries, because folks, it's just free, pub free publicity and that's what we want to do. If you're following along with me in your Bible or you're taking notes, some of this I'm gonna have on slides on the PowerPoint, some of it I am not. But if you would follow along with me, this is the story in Genesis chapter two, verses four through seven. This is the story of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Verse five, before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth. For there was no man, everybody shout no man. No man. There was no man to till the ground, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground because God made it so. In verse seven, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. Now I need you to just, I need you, anybody got a good imagination besides me in here? Nancy, I know you got one because you're creative like me, okay? Here's what I need you to do. I need you to close your eyes just a second. For those of you asleep, just keep yours closed. <laughs> I need you to close your eyes just one second. I need you to imagine you are Adam. You are lifeless. Everything else God has created, God said, let there be sun, moon, stars, galaxies, universe, everything that there is, God said, let there be, and boom, by the power of his word, there was. But then, when God said, let us make man, let us make him in our image, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are hovering over the earth. God the Son, because Jesus, the Bible says everything was made by him and for him. So Jesus reaches into the wet clay of the earth and he picks it up and he looks at the Holy Spirit and he looks at the Father and he starts molding in his hand a model of what he's looking at, of who he's looking at. And then when he gets that, that clay model finished, and here, here, just hold on with me with your eyes closed just a second, ready? Imagine Jesus is holding this baby doll sized thing in his hands and he leans over this lifeless clay figure and into its nostrils, according to the word, he goes, what happened next? Adam became a living soul. Life entered into him. Now get this. Here is Jesus in Adam's face. And when Jesus goes, don't you know Adam's eyes popped open? So the first thing Adam ever saw was the face of God. Can I tell you today, the greatest thing that man will ever experience is not riches, it's not wealth, it's not success, it's not exhilarating triumphant accomplishments, 
the greatest thing that a man or a woman, a human being will ever see is the face of God. Nothing in Adam's life compared to his initial moment. And folks, I want to tell you something. Not only was Adam moved by what he saw, but God loved what he was looking at. Look at your neighbor and say, he still loves us too. So God created man. Then look at here, Genesis chapter two, the very next verse. The Lord God planted a garden. Somebody say planted a garden. Eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Now see, a lot of people get confused and they think God created Adam in the garden. No, according to the timeline of scripture, God created the man and then God planted a garden. How many of y'all ever planted a garden? Tell me some things that, 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 may you, that may come into play here. First of all, you've got to kind of shop around, know in your mind what you want to plant, right? And then you've got to kind of have the design, the layout where you want to plant it. I mean, you just don't go out and start digging holes and by all means, you don't just go out and start dumping stuff out of the pots on the ground, right? So you've got to have some concepts, some plans, some thoughts, some ideas in what you want, where you want it. And what I love about this verse right here is in everything God created, everything that the Hubble Space Telescope, everything that the the, uh, James Webb Space Telescope is showing us from space, all of those mesmerizing things, folks, all of that stuff God spoke into existence. But when it came to a personal relationship of something he wanted to do for Adam. God didn't say, let there be a garden. No, God planted a garden. Because see, when you plant something, you've got to put some sweat equity into it. It's going to take a little extra oomph, oomph. It's going to take a little extra something, something. It's going to take a little extra care. It's going to take some patience and it's going to take some thought. And in fact, God is still thinking about us. Can I tell you that? God is still moving things and God is still creating things and God is still making stuff happen on our behalf. Look at this verse, these two verses in Psalm 139, verses 17 and 18. He says, how precious. Also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Now this verse blew me away. Look what it says. If I should count them, if I should count your thoughts, God, they would be more in number than the sand. I dare you right now to go up and down the Atlantic coast line of the United States of America and then I dare you to go up and down the Pacific coastline of the United States of America. And then I dare you to go up and down every river. And every time you go up and down, I want you to reach down daily with each step. Pick up a handful of dirt and start counting each grain of sand that's in your hand. Can I tell you, the Bible says right here, that's God thinks of us more than that. And I don't know about anybody else, but if he's a loving God that planted a garden for a man whom he had just created, then how much more today 
today. Now that Jesus Christ, his son, has come and died and given his life to buy us back from sin and death, how much more is God moving and working and thinking of things he wants to do? Plant, create, make happen for you and for me. Now I know we could all, or many of us today, could quote Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you. And he's always thinking toward a purpose and a goal, and how many of you are glad for that? Amen. Then in chapter two, verse nine, remember we're talking about a tale of what? How many trees? Three. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow. Mm-hmm. That is pleasant to the sight and good for food. There were pineapple trees in that garden, y'all. The tree of life. Somebody shout the tree of life. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden. So the tree of life is this tree that undoubtedly had this fruit that if you ate of it, it it released an essence of immortality that you would live forever. Now, God created that tree in the garden. Why? I don't know. He's God. He didn't ask my permission. Why did he make it? Because man was created as a spirit. There was no sin, no death in him. Adam and Eve, when God created her next, they would have lived forever. But God created this tree of life, but he created another tree in this garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That is the tree that we'll talk about in just a moment. Genesis chapter two, verses 15 through 17. Look what the scripture says. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. So Adam was not there on permanent vacation. God in his plans and his purpose had stuff that he wanted Adam to busy himself with. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, here we go, are you ready? Here it comes. Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Everybody say die. Now see, if, if we aren't careful, we'll read this right here and we have it in our mind. See, we, we, got, we humans, we are morbid creatures. Really, we are, we're, we're negative. In fact, on my watch right now, I can go to the Weather Channel app and I can, I can pull up the weather for today and that it can be bright and sunshiny. I see it out there right now, but it will tell me there's a 10% chance of rain. Why did they not say there's a 90% chance of sunshine today? You know why? Because human nature is pessimistic. How many of you noticed since Hurricane Ian hit Florida and, and all the devastation there was real and I feel sorry. I've got friends that are down there that are rebuilding some that lost everything and uh, that, that's, that's horrible stuff. But how many of you know the media, once they get something like that hit, they gonna ride that thing and wear it out like a horse. I mean, now they're telling us, you know, there's another 
there's another tropical depression coming off the coast of Africa because they want to get everybody worked up just because of what happened to Ian. Y'all can laugh at me if you want to, but I'm going to tell you what. We pastored in Charleston for 12 years, and you could say hurricane, and they would have all those little spaghetti models. You know, they didn't know that thing was going to Florida or to Maine, but spaghetti models, one little noodle could say Charleston, and people would panic. I watched them at, at Super Kmart in North Charleston. I watched them bring out batteries and water on pallets and I mean still in the shrink wrap and people would be in such a hard panic that when the guys would drop past the fade, when they would drop that pallet jack and pull that pallet jack out people would be like bugs on that they'd be ripping they didn't even give the guys time to get the shrink wrap off because they were panicking because of this negative news am I talking to anybody up in here well, let me go ahead and tell you something about this. You can be negative all you want to, but God is looking for people that are looking for positive, life-giving things, not negative, death-giving things. For example, let me say this. I rode by a church recently, and, and uh, it had a sign, and it was all about sin. The whole thing was about sin. It said nothing about Jesus. Didn't have an answer for sin. It just talked about sin. Can I tell you today, sin is a reality, but we are, we are reaping the results today of about 25 years ago, 30, 40 years ago, that most churches, they were so sin conscious and didn't talk about the answer. They just told you what you couldn't do, what you shouldn't do, and if you did that, you're going straight to hell in a handbasket, and they didn't preach Jesus. Can I tell you today that I refuse to be sin-centric? I'm going to be Jesus Christ-centric. Do I believe sin is real? Yes. Will sin damn your soul? Yes. But I'm going to tell you what. There is an answer. There is a God who is bigger than sin. There is a cross. There is an empty tomb. Can somebody give the Lord a praise in this room today? So when we, when we see this verse that God said, if you eat of it, you're gonna die. It, immediately, our pessimistic human nature, if we didn't know the end of the story, we would expect Adam's gonna bite into it. And, and God didn't say if, he says when. When you do it, you're gonna die. So we expect Adam to bite into it and just fall over. Flatline on the spot, code blue, mayday. I don't know what the hospitals use around here, but uh, at Lexington Medical Center, when I was a chaplain, when I was on duty, if it was North Tower, uh, South Tower, or the West Tower, if they said uh, Mayday, North Tower, floor, whatever, guess what? That meant somebody was coding, the crash cart was on the way, the team was in there, somebody was dying. Am I, am I talking to anybody in here today? And a lot of people think that's what Adam was gonna do when he bit into it, he was just gonna code out, fall over, and die. But listen to me, folks. That could have very well been what God could have planned. But God didn't want Adam to die. You know why? Because God loved Adam. In fact, the Bible tells us that Adam was referred to by God as one of his sons. Because when God breathed the breath of life into him, God took responsibility for Adam and God loved Adam. And God was willing to go 
to the deepest place he could go of giving his own son to get Adam back from sin and death because God loves you and God loves me. Can I get a witness in here today? I'm glad God loves me. And I'm gonna tell you what, I'm probably one of the most unlovable, hard to love guys in here. I, I'm hard headed, I'm focused, I'm, I'm discombobulated. Uh, uh, discombobulated a lot, I'm OCD, I'm all of the best and all the negative wrapped up in one package, but my wife loves me, and even more than she loves me, God loves me, come on somebody. In spite of all my personal faults, frailties, and failures, God loves me, and God thought that Tim Hodge was worth saving, and I don't know about anybody in here in this room today, but I've got a heart of gratitude for that. What about you, friend? So see, Adam didn't fall over and die on the spot when he bit into the fruit, but a part of him did die. An EKG or EEG would not show up his death because his death was spiritual. But he sure did die that day. In fact, what died in him was his spirit as sin came into him, and that ability to walk with God and talk with God was severed. And from that time on, whether people realized it or not, that part of, the, of mankind is still crying out all the way back to great, 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 great time 10,000 granddaddy Adam. That heart of man is still crying out, I need to walk with God. I need to talk with God. Has anybody ever been there? I need to get alone with God because every day in the cool of the evening in that garden with Adam and Eve, God would come down and walk and talk with them. But when Adam sinned, there was no more walking and there was no more talking. Come on, somebody. And God would come down and God would visit with man after that. But how many of you know that Jesus Christ, the scripture says that his name would be called Emmanuel. Can I get a witness today? Uh, can, how many of y'all know that Emmanuel means God with us? Come on, somebody. Because Jesus came to close the gap. Jesus, God didn't burn the bridge. Jesus came to rebuild the bridge. In fact, the cross of Jesus is Jesus taking God the Father in one hand and lost mankind in the other. And the book of Hebrews says he became the mediator in the middle. He pulled the two back together again. You can be saved. You can have peace. You can have joy. You can have comfort. You can be free in Christ Jesus. So in Genesis chapter three, I'm gonna hurry up here. In Genesis chapter three, this is not gonna be on the PowerPoints. So you're gonna have to write this down. In Genesis chapter three, verses one through 19, here's what we got. We got the snake the devil and the serpent. He comes and he has a conversation with Eve, right? And he says, and basically here's what he's saying. Did God really say that? Did God tell you you can't eat of this tree right here? We're at this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Did God say if you eat of it, you're gonna die? Listen now, listen, here's what Eve said. This is, let me show you where Adam and Eve, husbands and wives, y'all better listen to me. You better communicate effectively. Listen now, because Eve responds to the devil, the serpent, Satan inside the serpent. This is what she says. She says, yes, God said that we can't eat of it and we can't even touch it or we're gonna die. 
God didn't tell Adam that. He didn't tell him you couldn't touch it. He said, don't eat it. You know what Adam did? Adam, Adam embellished the story to Eve to try to keep her away from the tree. <laughs> Honey, we can't eat that. Don't even look at it. If you touch it, you're gonna die. So guess what? When the devil kept talking to her and she kept looking at it, she just kind of reached one little finger out there and touched it and she didn't die. She thought everything else was a lie. I ain't getting no help up here, but I'm gonna keep talking. And she pulled it off and she bit into it. And then the book of Genesis says she turned and gave it to her husband who was with her. He wasn't two blocks down the road in the garden, y'all. He's right there. There's another story we can learn from that, husbands. If you don't talk to your wife, some other snake will. And you know what? If Adam would have been a true spiritual authority, but he's like any other man. What was he doing, Pastor Tim? I don't know. He's right there. If my wife's talking to a snake, a physical snake, I'm going to take that sucker's head off. <laughs> if my wife's talking to a player snake, <laughs> I'm going to take his head off too. I ain't getting no help up in this building today, but y'all know I am telling y'all the truth. And where you at, James Earl? Where you at? I am not carrying two knives today. I don't need but one. I had to pray for repentance later. Y'all better pray for the preacher. Listen, in the garden you had the snake, you had the conversation. She gave the, the, the fruit to Adam, he bit into it. Their eyes were open, they realized they were in sin. We have the fall, right? And when they realized they were naked, they went out and they took fig leaves. And I don't know how they tried to put it together. They tried to put some type of, type of temporary garden covering on themselves. But then you have the reckoning because in Genesis chapter three, the Bible says they heard God coming through the garden. Come on somebody, you know when you've done done something wrong and you're under conviction come on now and you know you're dead wrong and you're trying to hide that thing from your wife or your husband or your mama or your daddy or somebody around you or the boss or somebody but I'm going to tell you what when God comes a walking and God comes a talking you can hide it from everybody else but you won't be able to hide it from God and Adam and Eve knew they had covered their sin they knew so they hid trying to hide from God. And when God, they can't hide from God. God just messing around with them. Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? And God knows exactly where they are. He's just waiting for them to fess up. The reckoning. And finally they come out. Could you imagine how goofy they look? This goofy looking little garment they got on. I don't know. God looks at them. You know he wanted to laugh. I mean, he's upset because of the fall. But as much as he was upset about the fall, let me tell you something. Let me go ahead and tell you something. This, this didn't catch God by surprise. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 and 20 says, before God ever created the earth, he knew man was gonna sin and need a savior. And he already had a plan before he had a man. So Adam and Eve come 
shaking. I wonder if they had like some fig leaf trying to hide, you know, like a little mask. Garden COVID. We're trying to hide, Lord. We don't want you to see us. God's like, why are you trying to hide? Because we, 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 we naked. Who told you you naked? And then Adam. Lord, help Adam. <laughs> Ladies, when I go visit Adam in heaven, would some of y'all like to go with me? Because what did Adam do? First thing came out of his mouth. The woman that you gave me. Lord, Sarah, you with me? All right, thank you, Tommy. All right, you and Sarah, follow me when we get in those pearly gates, all right? Because that's exactly what Adam did. He looked at God, he said, the woman that you gave me. You know, Eve, now if that had been my wife, he'd have got an elbow right there. But then God comes in and God has this conversation with them. And he pronounces the curse. And in fact, in its entirety, God told the woman, he said, you know what? You are now going to have to feel the pains of childbearing. And uh, you're also going to have to be in submission to your husband. Now, ladies, somebody, for y'all, that's harder than giving birth to the child, I know. But just I'm telling you, that's what the Lord said. It's in the Bible. Well, got quiet in here. <laughs> I guess I better move on from that. God looks at man and he says, you know what? Listen, listen, listen. He said, the earth is cursed because of your actions. Do you know that over in the book of Romans, I believe it is chapter eight, it says that the earth is moaning and groaning. It's in travail. It's crying out for the manifestation of the sons of God. Do you realize earthquakes, storms, hurricanes, natural disasters, all of that came about because Adam took one bite and disobedience in a garden. COVID, AIDS, cancer, leukemia, all of these things flew into the human race, into the earth, because Adam bit one bite of something he wasn't supposed to do. Can I tell you something though? You ready? This is not a tale of one tree tree of life this is not the tale of two trees the tree of the knowledge of good and evil but this is the tale of a tree of another kind and Tyler I'm froze up again up here so I don't know what's up with this thing here the internet going on between me and you back there but uh, hit me up in Genesis chapter 3 there's a big old word right there Look at somebody say, there's a big old word right there. In Genesis chapter three, this is God talking. Look what he says. And I will put enmity, talking to the serpent or the devil in the serpent. Listen what God says. I will put enmity or there's gonna be a war between you and the woman. Women still killing snakes today too, right? Listen now. And between your seed and her capital S, E E D. He shall bruise your heel. Nope. He shall bruise your head. In fact, the King James or NIV says, He shall crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. And I give you there, for example, in Galatians chapter. Uh, four, verse 4 says that at the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. 
the seed of a woman. Why? Because he came sinless. He came pure. Let me, let me go ahead. Everybody say proto-evangelium. Did that make you feel smart to say that? Say it again. Oh, I felt impressed just hearing you say it. Say it one more time. I am so impressed. Y'all have learned a big word today. Proto-evangelium. It's Latin. You know what it means? Greek. It means proto-first evangelium gospel. First gospel. The first time that God ever made a reference in the entire Bible that he was going to send his son is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Proto-evangelium. One tree, the knowledge of good and evil. Man missed the mark there. And here we go. It's time to move on. Hit me up to the next slide there, my man. Proto-evangelium. Yep, 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 yep. Let's see, let's see what we got here. Let's back up here one more time. All right, I'm back connected now for some reason. All right, Genesis chapter three, hurrying up right now. Then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us. Listen now, he knows good and evil. And now, lest he put his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which it was taken. Listen, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Adam ate of it. The tree of life, God said we can't let him eat of that. Have you ever thought about why did God say that? Because I think about stuff like that. Why did God, in fact, one translation says that God didn't tell him to leave. God drove him out of the garden. Like it was an emergency situation. Hurry up and get him out. Listen, listen, listen. Adam is in a state of lostness. He is unsaved. He is unredeemed. If he, listen, he is separated from God. Do you understand today, beloved friends, listen to my heart. There's more to living than just resuscitation going on in your body. There is more to living than just going through the motions of life. And Jesus knew that when Adam bit into that fruit, he was separated from God. And if Adam would have eaten of the tree of life, he would have eternally been lost. So God said, we've got to hurry up and get him out of here. And they drove him out. And God put an angel, a cherub, standing at the gate of the garden so that man could not get back in and the devil do what he did at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God was not going to let that happen at the tree of life because God knew man would not forever be lost. God had a plan. Tree one, the knowledge of good and evil. Tree two, was the knowledge of the tree of life. That proto-evangelium though, look at here. Let's get on over here to the second Adam. We'll be wrapping this thing in, bringing this plane in for landing. Therefore, Romans chapter five, I love Romans five. Five is the number of grace, the five piercings in the body of Jesus. Two hands, the two feet, and the spear in his side. Five is the number of grace. And in Romans chapter five, you have five times you see the phrase much more like this. It will say where sin did abound, 
grace did much more abound. Look at this verse right here. Therefore, just as through the one man, everybody say that's the daddy, Adam. The original daddy. That's not the big daddy. That's the absentee daddy. That's the flunky daddy I'm talking here. Don't mind me. Just as through the one man, Adam, in the garden, sin entered the world and death through sin. And thus death spread to all men. Look at somebody say it was in you. Because all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin was not imputed where there was no law. In other words, nobody was saying, hey, y'all, this is wrong. It was there, but nobody was putting a, uh, putting a pointer on it. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned because to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type, a symbol, a shadow of him, Jesus, who was to come. Holy Spirit, let this get in people's hearts today. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God, much more the grace of God, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Let me read you this. Let me read you this. Get this, get this, get this. Verse 15, the Passion Translation. Write this down. Read it later for yourself. Listen, listen what it says. Now there is no comparison between Adam's transgression and the gracious gift that we experience. For the magnitude of the gift far outweighs the crime. Woo! What Jesus did on the cross far outweighs what Adam did, what you did, and everybody in between did. What Jesus did on the cross is far greater, much more greater. Somebody give the Lord a praise for the cross today. Listen, it's true that many died because of one man's transgression, Adam, in the garden. Listen now, but how much greater will God's grace and his gracious gift of his son on a cross of acceptance, how much more will that overflow to many because of what Jesus, the Messiah, the one man did? Amen. Somebody say, whew, thank God. Yeah. Verse 17, let's finish with that. For if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And this is what I want to end with. Would you stand up to your feet with me today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let me tell you something, folks. When you're born, that first Adam in the garden that messed up and messed everything up, that's your daddy. That's your daddy. 
Edward Hodge might be on my birth certificate. Kenneth Blees might be on your birth certificate. Terry Raspberry might be on y'all's birth certificate. Anthony Bethay might be on your birth certificate. But when you're born and you come out of your mama, I don't care how sweet, cute, pretty, and innocent you are. Adam was your daddy. And guess what? Every spiritual genetic trait that Adam had, he passed on to you. Because see, folks, you better hear me. Somebody better hear me. Sin never affects just you. See, I can flip that around and I can tell you that whatever you do for God, God does not just bless you and honor you. God looks out for your seed because of your faithfulness. We like to hang on to that, but I'm gonna tell you what, you better understand this. Your sin, your disobedience, your rebellion, your lack of faith, your doubt, your fear, your unbelief, those things will affect your seed as well. Adam is your daddy. See that second Adam. Here's the thing. If you read in the New Testament where you, you see where, where Paul talks about the saints at the church of Ephesus or the saints at the church at Colossae, he said those who were called. You know what that literally means, that word called? That doesn't mean God sent them a special invite letter or note or card. You know what it means? It means they're invited, you're invited. God invited us to be in his family, y'all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know what he's saying in there, y'all? Listen, he's basically saying, I want to be your daddy. There's a video clip that was on some talk show many years ago. It was one of these like crazy afternoon kind of things. And this woman had this little boy. I don't know if anybody's ever seen it. He was about nine, eight, nine, ten years old. And undoubtedly, he was just too much of a handful for his mama, so she was there lamenting. He was, I mean, just an unruly, getting in trouble at school. Cute little fella. So they had the mom and the little boy on that show, and they brought this drill sergeant out. Does anybody remember seeing it? And the drill sergeant gets in the little boy's face, and they're, they're thinking that a drill sergeant's gonna just put fear on this little boy. And he's in his face, and he's barking at him, and finally the drill sergeant, face to face, bent over in this little boy, cute little fella. He says, do you want me to be your daddy? And the whole show got shut down by the little boy's response. He didn't shake, he didn't quake, he didn't fight, he didn't spit, he didn't cuss. With a quivering little lip, he said, yes, sir. And it caught the drill sergeant off guard. Those of y'all seen the video, he kind of like had to take it. It took him aback just a bit. He took a step back. He said, what? He said, do you want me to be your daddy? And the little boy said, yes, sir. And then the drill sergeant mailed He just kind of stood up, dropped that tough facade. And, and, and he said, why? He said, why do you want me to be your daddy? And the little boy, he said, I don't have a daddy. <clears throat> you know what? There's a God in heaven that loves us so much that he wants to be 
a loving father to you. And see, what that Adam, the bad dad, what he lost in the garden, when God said, no, don't eat that tree, Adam ate of it, and it messed us all up. We're all a mess, y'all. The tree of life, God said, no, don't eat that. But then let me tell you about the second Adam. He carried his tree. It was in the shape of an old rugged cross and he carried it up on a hill and they laid it down and they nailed him to that tree and they lifted it up and he hung there in a pre-dug hole and he hung there and he died because the Bible says this, listen now, the apostle Paul wrote this. It says, he has redeemed us, bought us back, ransomed us from the curse of the law For it is written, cursed is he who hangs on a tree. That's the third tree, y'all. And I don't know about that first tree, I don't know about that second tree, experientially. But I'm gonna tell you right now, I know all about that third tree. I've been to it. Not physically been to it, but I'm gonna tell you what. Every day, I humble myself at that cross and I acknowledge what Jesus did there for me. Because you know what he did is he ripped out everything the first Adam put in me. He doesn't just invite me into his family. He puts something back into me that that first Adam lost. Can I get a witness in this room today? here in this room today, you are either part of the first Adam, you're either part of his family, or you know what? You're part of the second Adam, Jesus Christ, a part of his family. And I'm gonna tell you what, I remember what it was like being in that first Adam's family. That was rough, man. Alcohol, drugs, everything that that first Adam tells you you gotta do to have a happy life, to feel fulfilled. Let me tell you something. Once I came to the second Adam on invitation on that Sunday night when he called my heart to come to him and he changed me, I'm gonna tell you what, and my father in heaven embraced me as his child and his son and I'm still a work in progress, but I'm gonna tell you right now, what God did and what he's doing is a whole lot better than what I was born into. Can anybody help me give God a praise for that in this room today? I'm about about to close this part of the service and we got one more thing we're gonna do right quick. But I need to ask you this question today and it's on here. Which Adam's family do you belong to? The first one, is he still your daddy? Or have you been invited and you came in and you accepted the second Adam, Jesus Christ? Have you been to his tree? where life comes in, peace comes in, joy comes in. Even in the midst of hell and chaos and high water in life, you still have that overwhelming peace. I've been to his tree. I'm gonna ask you, everyone just bow your head and close your eyes with me today. I'm gonna ask you this question one more time. 
which Adam's family do you belong to? The first Adam, the one you were born into, or the second Adam, the one you have to repent and come to? If you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, I want to ask you right now. I want to invite you to pray with me right where you are. In fact, that tug you're feeling on your heart, that's God inviting you into his family right now. I'm going to ask you if you would to pray this prayer with me, but you got to pray it from your heart. You're not just repeating what I'm saying. You're feeling it. And you know you're making a commitment with God right now. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, today I come to you. I know I am a sinner in need of a Savior. God, I believe today. I believe with everything that is in me. I believe what the Bible says. I believe Adam messed us up in the garden, but you already had a plan. And Jesus, I'm so glad you are the plan. You are the plan. Not you and something else. You're not part of it. You are the plan. So God, I yield myself to your Lordship today. I pray your kingdom to come. I pray your will to be done in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. I'm gonna ask you to be seated for a quick second. And we got something that we're gonna do here. We've got some folks that are going to become members of this ministry today. So for those of you that uh, came to the membership class Wednesday night and you've had a few days to pray about it, think about it. Uh, if you are still committed to the cause of joining Northview Harvest Ministry as members, uh, I need somebody to go in there and get the children's church out. Could I get one? Oh, y'all here? Okay, all right, gotcha. I need to make sure Celine was here. So if you are here and you want to join this ministry after you went through the membership class on Wednesday night, I want you to come and just line up in front of me up here at this point, at this moment. Joking with Matt, he came here looking for his wife. 
because he saw her and the Lord said, you're going to marry her, so he figured he might as well come on over here. Amen? <clears throat> Glad you did, though, man. Some of you have been here a while. Some of you are here because of friends. Some of you are here because of family. Some of you are here because God directed you, your steps sovereignly. And some like Miss Carlisa just coming back home. <laughs> Something like Miss Cindy, I didn't realize. Uh, Jim, remember a few weeks back we had that bad storm on a Wednesday night? You and I walked up front and it was coming down in sheets and uh, power went out and there was a little lady parked down there underneath that tree and I motioned for her to come on park up under here. That's her. <laughs> you never know what one act of kindness or whatever is gonna just unfold. But guys, we're glad you're here. And we're glad that you feel in your heart that God's called you to be a part, a covenant part, a deeper part of this ministry and this season. And we believe and we know that God is getting ready to do some dynamic things in and through Northview Harvest Ministries. And we are building on the foundation of our pastor emeritus and Mrs. Blees. We're building on that foundation and we want to see it just, we want to honor God, but we also, what we do, we want to bring honor to them as well. Amen? So we thank you for being a part. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to pray over you. You've already gone through the class. You've already gone over the materials. You know what our cardinal doctrines are and, and uh, our things as, as a church and a denomination. I'm going to pray over you. And then after that, I'm going to have you guys turn around and we're going to dismiss. So if anybody needs to or has to leave, that's fine. But anybody that wants to just come through and give these folks just a, a handshake or a hug, you can come right around that way in the building and just come right on through the line, okay? So if you would, pray with me. I'd like for everybody in the congregation, if you would, just to lift your hand up this way. Father, today in the name of Jesus, we embrace these wonderful people like myself, God, they are works in progress. Like myself, like myself, they are imperfect people coming to join other imperfect people who are in search of and running after the heart of a perfect Father in heaven. So Jesus, what you did on the cross, we thank you for. And for your Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us and moving in seasons of our lives, we thank you for directing these folks to Northview Harvest Ministries. And God, I pray that as they come into covenant relationship with this ministry, I pray that the anointing that's on this house would flow even greater into their homes and their families, their loved ones, their jobs, their dreams, their careers. And God, I pray that you would anoint them to help facilitate the greater accomplishments of what this ministry is going to be. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Now, if you would, congregation, would you stand up and just show some love for these folks today? Amen.